When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Blakey's Bootroom, the number one Cardiff City podcast. Brought to you by Wales Online. Hello and welcome to Blakey's Bootroom, the Cardiff City podcast from Wales Online. I'm Dominic Booth for our penultimate episode before Christmas. Uh, and as such, Nathan Blake is joined by myself and making a second appearance of the season, Ian Mitchell Moore. Good afternoon, gents. Good afternoon, eh? Nice, nice to, to see have you. All here. Likewise. Yeah. On today's agenda, we'll be chatting about that incredible late comeback at Reading, talking a little bit about Lee Tomlin and Sean Morrison as well. Lee Tomlin, your favourite player. Finally getting his goal. Son of Dom. Finally, <laughs> finally doing himself justice, which I'm glad to see. A bit of Ask Blakey as well, some good questions for Nathan this week. But we'll start, of course, at the Medeski. Mm. And uh, Nathan, what did you think when Cardiff were trailing 2-0 with a few minutes left? Um, they didn't seem to be... They didn't play badly, I didn't think, first half. I just felt they were off the pace. Just ever so slightly. I felt Reading were... Um, I suppose home field advantage sometimes plays a part, often plays a part. And I just felt like you could tell Reading were the home side, Cardiff were the away side, but Cardiff weren't really... Their, their tempo of play wasn't up. Their closing down, their pressing wasn't up. Whether that was because of the uh, the schedule of late, you know, because there's been a, an awful lot of games. And I know this is the, the time of year where the lactic acid build-up starts to really take its toll. It's hence why you see so many injuries, especially like hamstrings and thighs and things like that. So um, on top of the cold weather as well. But I just felt they didn't start well enough. They didn't start at a high enough tempo. But it's easier said than done. But um, if they start that bad but finish that good, you know... Um, Probably more likely to, to do Well, it says a lot, doesn't don't. it? Because as, as your confidence grows, as they got the goals and got back in the game, their energy levels, you know, increased again. So um, I suppose it is there in your legs, but is it is that psychological battle, you, what your your brain tells your legs to do. Do you know what I mean? When, yeah. you, when you're not scoring, when you're not winning, everything's lethargic and slow. When you've scored, when you're winning, everything, you know, everyone wants the ball, that extra... And it did feel like the, the luck wasn't really going with Cardiff. It wasn't, it wasn't. Both goals, Ian, had this sort of element of, both Reading goals had an element of fortune about them. Patterson obviously flicking into his own net and, and the deflected striking. Do you think Cardiff's players maybe felt like, ah, oh, this isn't, isn't going to be our night? It, it did feel like that. I haven't gone to the, the Preston game as well, where there was, you know, the first defeat of the season. Uh, it had a similar feel, especially with the second one, you know, took a deflection, the first one. Neil Etheridge comes off his line and obviously Patterson flicks it into his own net as well you know obviously the, the more lost Mo Barrow for the second one and it was uh, Joe Bennett I think it flicked on and Etheridge would have saved it had it gone on the, the straight trajectory so yeah there was elements of luck about it but as, as Blakey said Cardiff weren't good enough in the first half and it did take a bit of a rollick in at half time from Warnock which is something obviously we've spoken about before but you know first 10 minutes I thought Reading couldn't string passes together they, they were struggling to retain possession and I thought you know what it was it didn't look too bad for Cardiff and obviously Mendes Lang had a good chance it was well saved by Manoni. But the goal sort of came at a bit of a killer time against the runner play from a corner. Yeah. see the second as well from another set piece, which will be infuriating for Neil Warnock. And, and that was it then. You did feel that the, the right was on the wall. So it makes that second half all the more impressive. And Warnock said he thought his players reacted badly to the goal. Is it possible, Blakey, that on a, on a cold night like that, when you go a goal down, you're just, you're just not firing in the way that you normally would be? What I'd say, Dom, it takes... That's the classic kind of game where it takes someone to... It's a saying in football, don't wait for it to happen, make it happen. So it, it, it takes someone to, you know, grab the game, basically. 
by the scruff of the neck and, and, and turn it around. Do you know what I mean? Whether that's in performance, whether it's tackling, whether it's heading, whether it's shouting, whether it's a goal, whatever it is, it is a classic, right? It needs to... Or you go in halftime, come out, and you have a collective, you know, big shove, you know. An the extra manager ends his corn as well, doesn't he? Right, absolutely. Um, you have a collective 10%, you know, extra effort and... Um, so was was that Manly Tomlin then at the Medeski coming on? I thought maybe he came on a bit too late, but he did he did impact the game. Uh, I, I I wouldn't say so. I think uh, I think Ian made a good point. I don't think Reading were as good as to be two 0 ahead. I don't think. Mm. No, as as poorly as Cardiff played, they didn't play devastatingly poor, but they were they were okay. If you give them this season, I would give them. Probably an eight or nine out of ten overall. Probably a nine out of ten overall. Uh, probably averaging an eight in most performances. I would say they were around about a five. First yeah, half, nowhere near what they can be. They were nowhere near what they could be. So you you were either waiting for it was either going to be a, a third goal, kill the game, or first goal, you know, game on. And luckily, Cardiff got the goal. And then, as you've seen. An extra five ten minutes on that game, I think. Um, I think Cardiff would have won it, but I thought Tomlin's done well. I think he, you know, as you know, I, I like Tomlin. I think he's a really good player. I've always said my only reservation with him is he doesn't get enough goals. Well, he didn't have to think about it, did he? He just smashed it. Simple as that. There, it fell. Great, great header by Bamba. I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like just the came back off the bar. Oh, Beautiful, great, majestic. And made by Tomlin as well, by yeah. turning away and, and crossing yeah. it into the, from the left. Yeah. But uh, to then get the rebound and and smack it in, um, and God for goal line technology. Yeah. <laughs> well, the referee, the way he was, I think, he may not have given it to Cardiff. No, he, he didn't. He wasn't giving yeah. Cardiff We did have a wait in the press box for about five seconds or so until we saw. The, it was the clear. Fans, you the fans see it knew straight away. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. they were behind that goal as well. It reminded me of that Frank Lampard goal for England, or, or goal that never was. Um, Ian... We talk about Tomlin quite a bit in the office and at games. And no, we all, Dom talks about. He does. Tomlin. Dom does. He loves him. Yeah. Well, my my personal opinion is that he he offers something. He's got a completely unique skill set. Something that Cardiff's squad lacked before he arrived. And like Blakey said on the podcast before, before Tomlin came in the summer, we all sort of thought there's a missing piece of the puzzle here, mm. especially after Whittingham left. So, is it just a matter of fitness, a matter of game time, a matter of confidence? What what needs to happen for Tomlin to be starting more games and making more of an impact? Yeah, it's well those reasons you gave there. It's probably a combination of all of them. You know, in the in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, Blakey was mentioning how there were so many different factors affecting him, and obviously the court case as well. Neil Warnock himself said that that had, it had an impact. Obviously, he was having to go up to to court in Leicester, but that's all done now. So you'd like to think that he'll be able to put that behind him, put the hard graft in on the training ground, and you know, as we saw. It was only, I think it was at the 79th minute he came on the other night and he had a shot within 60 seconds of coming on. Didn't test Manone, it was a, a weak one, but he was in that position to do it and he was picking up the pieces of a, a, the second ball. And obviously we know his role in the in, in the second goal, in the build-up, and obviously he was the one that put it in the net in the end. Well, 79 minutes too late, though. Do you think Cardiff uh, could he, maybe have turned it around quicker and earlier if he'd come on before that? Yeah, I mean, a few people have said it was too late, and with hindsight, the impact that he had. Oh, it is. We always do it, though, don't exactly. we? Exactly. Yeah. You, you can say it was. He comes on and does nothing. Too yeah. early. No one, t- no one <laughs> says a word. Absolutely, but you can look at it and say it was too late, but Cardiff were making chances before then. It's not mm. like they were dead and buried. You know, Hoylet mm. had a great chance to head, and he, you know, if anything, he caught it too well and mm. hit the turf and went over. So it's, it's not like they were dead and buried, because... You're looking at the fans; they were they, they were bouncing on 65, 70 minutes because they sort of you could feel you could feel sense. it. Yeah, yeah. I was sat at home. I, yeah. I knew we were going to get. I I said to my lad, I was watching him with my boy, and I said to him, "This is going to be two two or three two Cardiff." You could feel it, couldn't right? you? And was... you could just feel it. But what I, what I would say about Tomlin, and what I'd say about all players, um, when you're in the position that he's been in, and as we did, Ian said, we discussed it a few weeks ago. What I always say is, every player needs a moment during the season, yeah, to get back on the horse, if you like. And for me, it wasn't just the finish. It was the finish, what the goal meant, the time in the goal so late, and his reaction after. You know, the reaction was great, wasn't it? His it was like a, reaction it was, like a little was fantastic. He was like, he was, like, well, he was like opening a 
present on Christmas Day and is what exactly what he asked for. Yeah. And and he and he done it a couple of times, which made me feel like watching at home. So you get the better camera uh, view at home. You know, you could see right up on his face, and he was he was buzzed. Now I was thinking to myself, ah, this is the moment. Hopefully, that he now goes back into training today and starts becoming one of the main men again. You know what I mean? Just in his body language, you know, the banter in the dressing room, because all these things, Dom, he, are things that you guys don't see that I'm saying, I'm telling you, make a difference. So you probably walk with, you know, an inch or two higher, chest out a bit more, you know, saved, uh, got himself uh, a last-minute equaliser, meant so much in a game that Cardiff were poor, that is a moment for me that he can build upon now, hopefully, during training. And I've, al- I've always said, if you could play him in a number 10 position behind behind Zahor, that is ultimately... It's a dynamite combination. It, it is absolute dynamite, yeah. What did you make of the game tactically, Blakey? Because I, I, I struggled, maybe you could shed some light on this, Ian, having been there. I struggled to see how quite how Warnock lined up his team. Mm. It looked like... Hoylet was maybe starting in a central position off Bogle. Yeah. With Patson is slightly more withdrawn role on the right and yeah. Mendes Lang shifted over to the left. It was Yeah, it was I think more, before something came on it was a bit muddled. Yeah, well it, it wasn't muddled. I could see what he was trying to do. What he's trying to do is is get I think Hoylet more involved in the game. And all, always I think you're looking to try and surprise your the opposition mm. manager. Given Oilet's no. form as well, it's not surprising that yeah, yeah. he'd want to do that. And I think he, I don't know. I think it's clear we've seen it here last season that Junior can play the centre forward position or the number ten position. And you know, we say Tomlin is highly skilled. I wouldn't say he's more skilled than Hoylet. I would say Hoylet's probably our most skillful because he's not just got the skill; he's got the pace to add to it as well to get away from people. You know, he can get away over ten yards. He can he can take five six yards out of people. Or, Literally, I think nothing. he actually looked better when they did shift him back to the left, though. Well, it's where he's been in form. Yeah, you know, and I always say, you know, I played as a left winger traditionally, then went into a striker position. But I used to like drift out to the left because you're taking people out and you're always in space. You're always one on one. It's just you and the the fullback or you and the centre half. So it's it's probably become a bit habitual for him this season because he's been so good. Yeah. It's where he feels comfortable. He's probably just found himself drifting into that natural position and wanting to be back out where he can pick up the ball nine times out of ten, facing his defender rather than you know midfielders coming from all angles. I've seen him going around, you know, that chance we talked about where he had the header, his run he took on two defenders. So it, it was a great chance. I mean, you, you look back on that with the you know nightmares, I think, but it was you probably caught it too well. But in the build-up yeah. to that one, he took on a couple of defenders, showed good strength to keep the ball. Straight away got it out to Riles, who got it to Mendes Lang. Well, he mm. didn't stop in the number ten role there. Did he? He bombed into the box yeah. and he was on the penalty spot. So mm. that shows how he's not going to be stuck to one position. You know, Warnock's clearly it's up, I wouldn't say a free roll, but um, you know, he was the man on the penalty spot trying to get on the end of it. Mm. It wasn't a Bogle or a Zahor or mm. whoever may have been in that role. So and if there's been one luxury that Warnock has allowed in his team this year, it hasn't been Tomlin. It's been Hoyler really as the, as the luxury player in inverted commas. Mm. Yeah, I mean, speaking to Neil Warnock in his press conference afterwards and he was waxing lyrical about him rightly so because you know the shift he puts in, in he works tirelessly that's what I was going to say he's not really uh, I don't think this team really has a luxury player in it I think that might be the problem for Tomlin yeah you know what I mean I think that might be part of the problem is that if you think when Junior first came to the club we always said it's going to take him some while to get fit and get into like his stride and things like that but now I think this season you know he's arguably one of our best players you know, for me, um, and he seems to be showing it every game, game in, game out. He's not just flashes, and his work rate is incredible. I have to say, all all round. I mean, you've got Mendes Lang on the one side who works absolutely unbelievable. Then you've got speed and trickery with Junior, and you've just got that speed, raw speed with a trick or two with Mendes Lang. So. I think both of them, between them, they've been they've been superb this season. Do you think Hoyler gets enough credit in general? No, I don't think none of our players do. Well, that's, obviously from that's us, another, but yeah. But I don't think none. Of, I don't think I think 
think there's a lot of haters out there. One, because it's Cardiff and there's the English-Welsh divide thing. And two, because, um, you know, Neil Warnock is, is disliked also, you know, as you've seen when we come away from Forest the other day. Like, I mean, there's an attack on him, which... You know, it's just totally uncalled for. But. I don't think Cardiff fans would have been attacking Yapstam if it had ended 2-0, would they? <laughs> I was just going to touch more on that. Well, you know, the Forest one, it happened again, you know, before the Reading game, the, the local press in Reading, you know, criticising Warnock's this perceived style of play and, you know, it's all this thuggish football and, you know, you can tell that a lot of them haven't watched Cardiff because they play far better football than teams from they the outside do. looking in. I mean, Hoylet, Zahor, um, Mendes, Lang, Gunnarsson, I mean... You look at Bamba. Bamba was when he came in. People, Leeds fans were laughing kind of at this. I bet you know every Leeds fan who's watched him for the last six months is thinking, "Wow." There was the comment after the Leeds game, wasn't there, where they said that we've just made Sol Bamba look like Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But you know, to me, every time I've seen him, he's calm, he's cool, he, he clips a lovely ball into a striker or a midfielder. He's so organised or whatever. So I'm like scratching my head at like Leeds thinking. Hmm, not sure. I think you've missed a bit of a trick there because what he is, he's got desire and he's 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 committed every game. Standards high, which has dragged up other people, in my opinion, to keep a high standard. He doesn't let anyone drop below a certain point. And, uh, you know, I think, like I say, part of the problem is, you know, Cardiff get hated about them because they're the other side of the border. And while, while we're on style of play, I think there was a stat popped up on Sky Sports showing how many long balls each team had played. And I think Reading's was almost double the amount that Cardiff had played. Yeah. But that probably won't get written about. No, the, no, no, no. It's no. nothing it, it, it's, it's, it's the It's the... Um, it's like inverted Warnock gets, Well, Warnock gets banded in the same sort of um, territory as, say, uh, Tony Pulis. But I don't even think their teams have ever played alike. You know, I played against uh, Neil's teams in the nineties and early two thousands. You know, I'd never, never gone up against his team and thought, "Oh, they're just a long ball team." Never. No, you never know, they've always had one or two players who can dig. They've always had two or three players who can play, and they've always been solid at the back. That's generally what he does. Do you know what I mean? But it's not. They don't play football. Um, you've enjoyed watching them this year haven't you yeah I mean like you say they they don't get the credit they deserve I don't feel you know second in the league and look at the injury list now it was only today that we were making a team out of all the injured players that shows you how crippling it is and it's not like they've spent vast sums as Neil Warnock says in the summer so you know the depth wasn't there last season it's there a lot more this season although it's it's quickly dwindling Mm. and I'd love to see what happens with a full squad Mm. well absolutely you know how many times were we talking about the hopes were pinned on the likes of Ken Zahor and Gunnison and you know he's, Zahor's been out for two months now and it could be another month as well mm. Gunnison missed a month did briefly come back at a, obviously he played 74 minutes against Barnsley and played against Brentford as well but he's going to be out well potentially for longer depending on uh, if he needs surgery or not but um, just as a former player Blake he, mm. you know we mentioned this persona that Cardiff have got and all these attacks on the way they play the, the perceived or this perception they've got of Cardiff and stuff as a former player, would you say this them, them us against the world sort of mentality? Did that ever yeah. help you? And is that something yeah, that does every time. You, you, you always want to be the underdog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, although I always said, if you're the favourite, embrace it. Don't don't let the pressure get to you. But what you'll find is the press and fans alike are, are, are probably doing half of Neil's job for him. To pin pin the comments on the dressing room wall type thing. You don't even have to pin them. Just hear of them read them you know, those days are gone really Dom we've got Twitter <laughs> and stuff now <laughs> take a photocopy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would say you know most of the players if not all will hear the comments wouldn't surprise me managers I've worked for in the past they'll come in and they'll start saying to um, say Yapstam has said something or a Reading fan has said something about Dominic, our our left back, he'll come in next day and there'll be a bit of a ribbon about Dom and oh, you, you can't tackle or you, you're going to shy out of this. Or like he always does this. He's seen me play, I swear. <laughs> so what happens? I've seen you play. <laughs> so what happens is over time is that over the week then it 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 get ne- it gets nestled in your brain. 
you know, with all the jiving, ribbing and laughing and joking. But once you take that aside, what it does is give you a serious element to your game and you think, right, okay. To prove a point, prove them wrong. Yeah, well, prove whatever you like, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to play up. I'm going to play up at the level which no one's going to be able to criticise me. And, you know, I'm going to tackle hard, I'm going to run hard, I'm going to play hard. I'm going to die hard if it comes to it. And then your reputation and make your name. Absolutely. So I say, keep them coming. Because all you're doing is, you know, you're strengthening Cardiff for me. That's all you're doing. Cardiff certainly going from strength to strength. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and discuss Sean Morrison in our debate. Subscribe to The Boot Room on iTunes or listen on walesonline.co.uk. So my question for our debate in part two for you two is how underrated is Sean Morrison? Or as Blakey said to me, maybe not. How how overrated may he be? The reason I ask is because he came off against Reading after not long, I think, in the first half. Uh, he's featured in every league game under Neil Warnock, clearly rated by the manager. Mm. Um, often gets a little bit of a mixed reception from fans. Mm. Don't think they appreciate him, maybe in the way they should. Mm. But how pivotal has he become, Blakey? I, th- I think those two, Morrison and uh, Bamba, have become, and Etheridge, they're building up a, a nice little threesome there. Yeah, um, I have to say, he, he, he's been... He's been very important, but I wouldn't put him as the critical part. Now, if I said to most fans, I think, if I said to you guys, would you rather lose out of Morrison and Bamba? Yep. I think is, I think it's quite an easy call. However, that doesn't mean to say Morrison hasn't had a great season up until now, which he has. Um, but again, I would, I would, I would say. I think if you look at what Neil Warnock's done, won him by giving him the captaincy. Everyone can see he's not the captain, but he's kept the captaincy. And two, constantly talking him up. Yeah, so about three or four weeks ago, there was a piece where he was saying he's worth X amount and, you know, he's not selling him and blah, 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 blah. Constantly talking him up, which is, you know, if you're a player, those things help with your confidence, give you confidence. The manager's, you know, got my back, I'm in his plans, I'm his captain, blah, blah, blah. So I think on one hand, you've got very good man management from Neil. Uh, and on the other hand, what you're seeing is an improved player. Um, I don't think he's pro- improving week in, week out. What I would say is is average whereas last year you may have said it was a 5 or a 6 this year you're saying it's probably a 7 or an 8 yeah. so he's playing up and he's continuously you know what I mean he, he, he's continuously playing at a, at a 7 so and sometimes an 8 so I, like Ian said as well the, the us and them thing mm. because of Morrison has had his critics is Warnock maybe playing on that saying to Morrison listen don't care what they say I back you I back you 100%. Mm. Listen, just listen to me and me only. Well, that's what you do anyway as a player. You, you tend to, you know, you, you've got to know. If you don't, then you're a bit of a mug, to be honest with you. If you think, like... You've got to ignore the hype. Well, if you think the press are going to build you up, not to cut you down, then you're you're a mug. Simple as that. You know, simple as that, you know. Um, we see it every competition with the England team. You know what I mean? They get built up so high only because people enjoy the cut down more than they actually enjoy the build up and that's kind of like modern day society I'm afraid but um, no I think I think where he is where he's at you know I still I still maintain Bamba's the leader of the team yeah leader of the squad you see it it's evident you can't deny it I don't think Um, but what he's also done is help you know Morrison play up to a level which you know, uh, his consistency then is 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 uh, has been notable this season. Consistent, high consistency, which is great. I think that, I think that is the key, the consistency. You know, I think when 
Cardiff were a lot more fragile last season at the back. Um, obviously, largely not just a defensive issue, but the whole team. Um, he was you know, prone to the odd error and stuff, and I think he copped a lot of the flack for that. I, w- I wouldn't say a scapegoat, but he was certainly copping. His errors would lead to goals. Exactly, often. the that things that the people problem. remember, and you know the mm. ones that ultimately cost you games. You know, yeah. While you can look at other decisions, you concede and you lose one 0 That's what people remember, and that's what costs you the game. So yes, he's still prone to the odd one here and there, as is anybody. But it's more often than not now you're not seeing those type of errors. And Blakey touched on it there. It's that relationship with. Sol beside him and Neil Etheridge behind him who I think you know I don't think Reading was Neil Etheridge's finest game you know he's had some better no. ones I think but yeah. as a as a three they've been the first choice three this season in that triangle at the back and I think they've been excellent as a, as a, as a combination you know it's, it's vital to have that communication between the two centre-backs but I think people forget how uh, important a role the goalkeeper is as yeah. well in terms of playing out from the back as well which mm. is also what Cardiff can do you know they're not all the and this is why they've done so well for me as a team, as a unit <clears throat> because you look at right in front of Morrison and uh, Bamba ultimately you want Rawls and Gunnison but Gunnison's been out uh, Demore's been in uh, who else? Bryson's, Bryson's been, there, yeah. been in you know there's been a continuous change in front of that, those two and then you look further ahead and you've got Zahor, then he's injured, do you know what I mean? So you've got your mate, who, Tomlin. who, who you love, Tomlin. Um, Bogle and Ward as well. Bogle, who's come in at time to time. So you could say, aside from those three, and probably John Rowles. They're the constants. Yeah, I think Junior Hoylet maybe as well. But outside of that, Lang's had his problems, Zahor's had his problems, Hoylet, um, Tomlin's had his problems, Peltier's had his problems, Bennett's had his problems. So I think it's, it, you know, that's what we're here to do, is really pick it and pull it apart and really, you know, dissect and analyse it. And that's why I say, you know, I think this season is going to be a special season. I've said it for months because... You know, no matter what you what you throw at there or what's being thrown at that team at the moment, the reaction just outweighs what you throw at it. Indomitable spirit, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And, Ian, we saw probably for the first time this season as a two, Bamba and Manga together for the vast majority of the Reading game. It's been a partnership we've discussed a lot in the boot room. Blakey's advocated it to be given a go. How did you assess how they did together? Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate circumstances. Obviously, he wanted to play three centre-backs and it only lasted just over half an hour before Morrison went off, so Pelty had to jump in at right-back. And it was notable in that first... Well, I say the first half in general. Sonny Aluko and Mo Barrow, their pace was just electric. You know, that's what you get for that type of money, what they paid for them, them type of players. And Joe Bennett on the left, I mean, he he really struggled against Sonny Aluko and... Um, Barrow on the left uh, sorry Barrow on the Reading's left as well so I think you know when Peltier came in Manga as well Manga dealt very well with the aerial threat because they were direct as you mentioned with those stats there was it double the amount of long balls Cardiff played oh, yeah at one stage in the second half that was definitely the case and you know I thought you know, we all know how good Bamba was in that game but you know I thought Manga with the aerial threat he was magnificent and you know I think that helped having Peltier beside him because Patterson I don't think he had his best night either you know, as much as he was in a wing back role rather than in the back four so as a partnership between Manga and Bamba you know I think it's one we've discussed before and I must admit it's one I'd like to see and I think had Sean Morrison not been the captain I think it's one we would have seen a lot more of yeah um, I don't know. Manga blows hot and cold, though. Sometimes, you know. So, but that's that's if. So, I'm gonna try and teach you something here. Go on there. Get the tactics board out. So you have Morrison, who's captain since last season, and since Bamba's come in, Morrison's performance has gone right off. Yeah. Right. Right. One way, it's consistency up. Why? Because he now has someone who is leading him, is talking to him, is telling him when to be aggressive, when to be covering, when you're not in the right position, when you are in the right position, 
when is a well done? When is a get your backside in gear? You know, you have you do, people don't under, people underestimate what the talking can actually do. Right? Relationships within the motivation, team. everything. Right. So I would say Bruno's problem for me is sometimes he's lackadaisical. It comes too easy to him. Right. He knows he's quick, so instead of running to a position where he knows the ball's going to be. He'll jog because he knows he got pace to get him out of jail. However, sometimes when he's up against pace, that costs him. Or if the other person has read it earlier than him, the opposition, that costs him. I think if Manga played with Bamba continuously, Manga would become a better player. That's my honest opinion. He would gain because there's, there's like a penny that needs to drop in Manga's head that he can be the captain, the leader, everything. Right, certainly got because he's got he's got a nice calm persona, but sometimes that relaxed persona goes too far, and he's too reliant upon his pace. So if he can step up his consistency, just like Morrison has, if he can step up his consistency, I don't think there'd be any shift in those two, to be honest with you, because they've got everything covered. You wouldn't be worried then if Morrison was out now for a few weeks, let's say. And oh, well, I, I, I am, because together. it's continuity at the moment. You know, you'd have to say that Bamba and Morrison are the best centre-half sat sat partnership. They've conceded, I don't know. Possibly in the division. Ten goals yeah. have they conceded Fewest yet? Fewest goals of anyone in the Something division. Something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's ridiculous. So you have to give that, them, them to credit. What you're saying is now, can Bamba uh, and Manga... Can Manga step into that Morrison position? You know, we don't know how long Morrison's going to be out for. If it's two or three games, he'll come straight back in and Bruno will move aside. Simple as that. But if it's a month or two, you know, this is your option. This is your um, this is your moment to give Neil Warnock a problem, a real, a, a nice problem, but a real problem then if you're Bruno Manga. Because, like I said, he's got it all. You know, athleticism, he's quick. Well, Warnock clearly he can likes play him as a well. bit. He, he can do it all. And he's proved he can play in the right-back position as well as the centre-back position. So that's another tick in the box. But if he wants to play centre-half, this is how it's done. You know, your mate gets injured, you want to take his place. You know, that's... And even though you're mates, that's something that, you know, that number five or number six or number nine on your back, I want it. Simple as that. And yes, we're mates off the pitch and while we're doing the game, but ultimately... It's 11 men, and you and I are vying for the same position, so... Lay down a marker, make it your own. Just before we, we get on to well, part who, three... Who benefits from that? We do. Well, the whole team. The whole the, team, yeah, the fans, everybody. The manager. That's yeah. the whole point of football. It's there in a nutshell. If he steps up now and makes that position his own, because you can, even if Morrison's out for two games... Well, you we could, could have, play. We got a very interesting debate as well when when he comes back. Do right, you, you could, you could play two man match performances, and Neil Warnock might say, "Tell you what, I don't want to break up that partnership right now. It's too good." Three months down the line, there you're set. And that's how it works. When, you know, someone goes down injured or gets sent off, bang, in you come, Dom. Your turn. Right? Can you hold that down that position? Can you hold that shirt? Well, we spoke about this with Bogle and him coming back from a red card and all, mm-hmm. all that as well. Just before we move on to part three, one player who is edging back towards a, a first-team return, uh, Ian, is Kadeem Harris. A goal for the under-23s on Monday night. And I don't think we, have, we probably... We haven't spoken enough about how important he can actually be this season and how good he was last season. Obviously, a big breakthrough year for him on the wing. Yeah. It's not going to be easy for him coming back, is it? Not at all. Well, I, you say we haven't spoken about him much, is because Junior Hoylet and Nathaniel Mendes Lang have just been monumental. They've been absolutely brilliant. You know, who saw Mendes Lang doing what he did in August, and not just then. You know, he's he's been a key part in everything they've done. And Hoylet, I mean, he, he seems like a man reborn after he played for Canada in the Gold Cup in the summer. And you know, sort of people you have these worries: is he going to have a slow start? And it was anything but. He's done the opposite. So that's the key reason we've not been talking about Kadeem Harris and. I must admit, I thought he was the most consistent winger for Cardiff last year. Obviously, Noon's gone. Hoylet took a bit of time to bed in. and I thought, you know, Kadeem Harris, he was the, the top-scoring winger. 
Uh, you got in there because we kept on about the boot room. Because <laughs> <laughs> you kept on going on about pace. Seriously, we well, kept saying it for who, who two else, years. Who else and the had pace in the and, team uh, last year? There wasn't much yeah. else other than Kadeem Harris, I don't think. So that's another... Well, he was the only player. Well, exactly. And we couldn't play under, under, yeah. under Paul Trollope. I could never understand why he would then play him out of position. Yeah. Play him like a left back and a right back. And I was like, are you trying to get sacked? <laughs> well, yeah. Because he's the only player with pace, yeah, even down the Russell Slade squad, mm. he was the only player with pace. You had to play him, for me. You had to play him, but I don't know. I, sometimes I scratch my head and think, you know, people get labelled great coaches, great managers, this, that, and the other, and it's either they'll cut off their nose to spite their face, or they can't see what's right on the end of their nose. Yeah, Warnock loves pace, and he clearly everybody he clearly loves like, pace, don't in football. Some managers don't. They play they play a slower passing style. I think mm. of Louis Van Gaal, mm. uh, my beloved Manchester United. Mm. Well, yeah, but <laughs> the less said about that, the better. But like, Harris is is all like a Warnock favourite, clearly from last season. But like Ian says, he's going to find it very very difficult to get back. And you want that. That's a great thing. That's not a bad thing. What happens is then is that if Junior gets back on the team, you know he's playing at that line and above in order to get in front of Junior Hoylet or to get in front of um, Mendes Lang. And what happens is now they both think, ooh, he's on my tail. Bang, so they go up. That's, that's why I think this, this season is, is going to be a special one. I do. I just think the whole mentality of the squad players individually of course with management staff I just think everything has just changed mentality wise I see it I think another one on, on the wing the wing is obviously Neil Warnock played there in his playing days as well so he, he appreciates how difficult it is to get that end product you know goals and assists that's what a lot of players attacking players get judged on so he knows how difficult it is that was against Stanley Matthews wasn't it <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh. <laughs> if you're listening Neil um, <laughs> But, you know, like you say, it's, it's the end product that you get judged on. <laughs> Cheers, Blakey. Um, I see one Harry Enfield stitch. <laughs> but, but that's what they get judged on. And, you know, Kadeem Harris was, as I've said, the best performing in those departments last season. So, I mean, I was at, I was at the Livingston game, the last one in pre-season when he got injured. It was, I think he tra- trampled on the ball and just did his ankle and he's, we've not seen him since. It's horrifically unfortunate. Um, so for him to get a goal, I think it was inside 60 seconds against Crystal Palace in the under 23s. I mean, that, what a confidence boost that'll be! Yeah. You know, Reece Healy as well. He came back and scored. So, mm. and that's 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 another one there again. You, know, he's mm. going to be what fourth or fifth choice striker, Reece. But I mean, he was great when he came into the team last season, and another one who's just robbed of uh, game time with that injury against Rotherham. But you know, it's it's going to be a huge boost. He's going to it's going to take a bit of time for him to get up to fitness. But when he does come back, like Blakey said, it's. Um, competition for it's two players who've been absolutely brilliant it's competition anyway. to get on the bench now mm. even with injuries look at the amount of injuries we've got there's competition to get on the bench that is what you call a squad that is what you call that's how football is supposed to be at every level as well. at every level there's competition alright and not this Mickey Mouse competition you know your mates your brothers you go to war together you go out together but at the end of the day, if I'm a left-back Dom and you're a left-back, I know only one of us can play. If you don't recognise that, you're going to be second in line. If you recognise it, then it's battle royal, isn't it? I have to play up and above you and vice versa. And I'm, sure like they're, say, I'm sure they're looking forward to it. I'm oh, sure. I, I'm, I'm just I, I'm giving me tingles thinking about the level of competition just to get on the bench. Oh, we wish Kadeem all the best. Absolutely. Right, we'll have some uh, we'll have some Ask Blakey in part three. You're listening to Blakey's Boot Room from Wales Online. Right, time for some Ask Blakey and Nigel Harris on Twitter. Nigel has uh, he has a few worries about the injuries. He says, "How worried should we be about the extensive list of injuries, and how how worried about key players being out for a serious amount of time?" Well. Why does that happen, do you think? Is it luck or the it, weather? It's, or? Ju- it's, it's just part and parcel of a season, Don. You know, uh, the chances of going through a season without getting key injuries, well, there might be one or two teams in history who've done it, but... But the number at the moment is, is high, isn't it? As, yeah, as and it, 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 it happens, mate. It's, this t- it's the time of year, 
you get a lot of injuries. I always call it hamstring season. Um, you get a lot of pulls this time of year. But our injuries, if you look at them, like Zahor has been key and a you know longer than thought. Gunnison the same, longer than what was first thought. You're hoping Morrison that's not going to be a key injury. Pelt the air, there, 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 there. You go on and on and on and on. But it's part and parcel of the season. What you've got to look at is how the squad has coped with those injuries. It's only now, this is probably the first time we've really spoken about injuries. And we're in mid-December. Because it hasn't been a worry, purely. Because you've been winning. Yeah. So that's why I'd say the Nigel, you know, what you're looking at now is some of those key injuries that you've forgotten about, like your Kadeem Harris's, are now on the verge of coming back. So you're going to have a, a Christmas period where maybe three or four injuries, which you haven't seen for a while, start to replenish the squad, the subs bench again, and bloody blah, 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 so competition will go up. I, I just think it's all, watching the wheels turn, it's all just falling, part, into, part the process. falling into place at the right time. Now, this is the time now, going into the Christmas period, what could be better than having a Kadeem Harris to pick from now? Medical staff have certainly been uh, working overtime and yeah. won't be having a, and, and, a break and what a good, good job they've done. I think that shows as well how good the, the summer window actually was. You know, was it 10 first team signings altogether? Um, I think it was only three they paid fees for as well. So, you know, Loic Demore's come in, a guy who everyone had to Google when he arrived. Mm. Nathaniel Mendes Lang, not, not many people knew too much about him. So, you know, same with the goalkeepers, Etheridge as well. So, like we say, we've had Lee Camp injured, Etheridge has come in and on the whole, I think he's been a very consistent performer. We've seen the same with Demore, you know, Gunnison's not been available for a long time. So There's another one who played in the under-23s, Lee Camp, could yeah. potentially come back and push Etheridge. Like Blake says, excellent competition in, the, in that position as well. Yeah, well obviously he was unfortunate because he did come back earlier in the season but suffered a setback, didn't he? So he's um, a little bit further back down the line than he would have liked, but... Again, you know, that's, that's three big players there. You know, Reese Healy, Kadeem Harris and Lee Camp. They'll be, you know, everyone's already looking forward to January, the transfer window, will anything happen there? And when you've got this sort of, these players back, Warnock might be thinking, do you know what? We've, Is there we've any point? The exactly. I don't, I don't, you well, know, sometimes you can, some, sometimes you can, you can kill yourself. But Nigel, I wouldn't worry. I don't spend my time looking at injuries and thinking, oh, when are we going to get them back? I just look at the moment, I think even a patched up team, which is largely what we've been playing over the probably last it, two you? weeks. I absolutely have 100% faith in it. And that was something they couldn't do last season. You know, was it in the last month they were naming, I think there were six substitutes on the bench for, was it Huddersfield, the last game? Yeah, Wigan as well, um, away. Yeah. You know, and debutants like Ibrahim Maita, um, Mark Harris, they were getting debuts at Wigan as well. Um, one of those not relying issue, on youngsters, does he? In, absolutely in not, and he doesn't push. need to. We've seen that, and that's, it's like you said, we're two games off halfway through the season, and this is probably the first time we've really had a good discussion about it well you mentioned transfers and the next question comes from Paul Grono hi Paul um, interesting question on whether it's time he says is it time for Vincent Tan to back Warnock with some cash in January to build, to boost the promotion cause in I, the way that Fraser Campbell arrived under Malky Mackay and I, gave that extra boost of goals like I said I, I, I does he no, need to I, I just think you I think do you know if it ain't broke? Don't fix it. Right, just leave it kind of... I know it's... What we what we as fans tend to do is fall into the the trap of, you know, we're just bandwagoning, basically. It's January coming, oh, we need to spend money because it's everybody else and we need a, and we need this, we need that. Listen, you're talking to a guy who's got 50 years' experience. He understands when, where, why, how... Yesterday, today, tomorrow, last week, last year, he's got so much experience to call upon in the manager that I would just say, be sure if he does business, it'll be worthwhile. If he doesn't do business, then he doesn't see anything that is worthwhile. It wouldn't be because, hopefully, because the purse strings, because he's probably he's probably taken a he's probably taken a a quarter, maybe a third off the wage bill, right? And taking the team from 16th, 17th to second, stroke first, second, first, third. So It just highlights the sheer genius. Well, it's already. genius. It is. It is. And no matter how you look at it, that's why I pay homage to the man. You know, you have to. It's, it's, that's not easy. 
you know, all these people who, who fling mud and whatever, you let them carry on. That is not easy, right? There's, you, you, you've, you've just seen the Welsh manager, the former Welsh manager, go into Sunderland. And have you seen a similar sort of bounce? No. It's this man has something, and it's not... There can't be luck, because he's done it so many times. You've seen what he's done, he went into Rotherham. Like I say, that's still to this day, that's one of the best things I've seen in football management. We talk about Sam Allardyce's and, and you know, what's his name, Tony Pulis's and what have you. Listen, that team was a first division team anyway, or a division one team League anyway, team, yeah. right? So for him to get them up playing, winning, believing and staying in the championship as he did, it was nigh on a miracle, really. So, I wouldn't go out there and just say, right, Vincent Tan, you've got to give him 10 million quid. Because I was saying that in the summer. 15 million quid, got to be looking at. I'll be spending three or four looking for a training ground and facility. I think, I think right now, the way it's going, if I was Vincent Tan and I was Ken Chu, I would be looking for a training facility. Rather than spending money on players. More than players. If Neil Wallach come, come to me and said, I need 5 million or 2 million, or a million, I'd give it to him, no problem. But my focus, my sole focus would be the other half of what Cardiff need, in my opinion, is their own training base, proper training base for both Junior Academy, 18s, 23s, first team. So the whole thing is under one roof. You have to say Warnock sorted out the short-term incredible style, but... You're right to say that the long, the long term, there still needs to be an eye on the longer term, doesn't there? There's always a short, mid and long term plan. You always have to have it. Now, I've said for probably five, six years, I think we've been going here. And I've said it since day one. What Cardiff need is their own trading facility. It's nothing against the facility they got, but you need your own base. It's like your, your training ground. Especially it's like your second home. Well, it's like your second home. And what you can do in your own facility is you can put in place certain things that cater to the players' needs. You know, when you go up to these Premier League grounds and facilities and their training facilities, they're out of this world. They really are. It is like living home from home. Just coming back to, um, was it Paul's question <clears throat> on transfers? You know, you look at it, you think, is there a, a part of that squad that's been absolutely decimated? Well, probably the most has been the strikers, but... You know, Zahor is probably going to be back in January by the looks of things, but Danny Ward missed Reading, but doesn't sound too serious, so hopefully he'll be back soon. Omar Bogle, you know, um, Warnock just said he was uh, had a bit of cramp, so we imagine he'll be fit for Hull. Um, Reese Healy, obviously, we mentioned, played his game for the um, under-23s against Crystal Palace, so that's probably the position where they're struggling the most at the moment. And they're not threadbare, though, are no, they? No, exactly, so you look at it and you think, unless you're desperately short and you think right we simply have to have a, an X, Y or a Z wherever it may be in your team which I don't think they do you know Blakey's mentioned the depth they've got and it's a bench now that can make an impact we saw that with Tomlin and against Reading as well um, and the Norwich game obviously Tomlin Bogle as well so you know unless they feel that there's a need you know if who knows Neil Warnock might say that he does need money as, as Blakey's mentioned or he might feel that he can unearth another gem from somewhere and if that supplements the squad that's probably what it's more likely to be rather than saying we need to spend you know, four or five million. And that's my point then when I say to Paul, my focus would be building a training ground. Because once that training ground, if Cardiff can get a training ground, a facility in place, it generates money, right? Because you can, you know, after hours, five o'clock onwards, you can use it. They've got the community who can then start to utilise it in the evenings, generate money, blah, 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 blah. So it, wipes its own face, pays for itself sort of thing. But there's nothing more important than a player than a training ground. Got a question for Blakey? Tweet us at Cardiff City Live. Right, the last section is our preview for Hull and our predictions and time for me to give myself a pat on the back for predicting a draw for the Reading game <laughs> and Blakey to go back to the drawing board Absolutely. A couple of poor weeks yeah, with a big man. But um, Hull City at home looks very winnable. Mm. But they have got a new manager in there, in Nigel Adkins, who won his first game. So 
like we always say in this part of the show, there are no no gimmies, no easy ones. But I think I like Nigel Atkins, but tactically he's in nowhere near you know, Warnock's league. You think Warnock can, can outsmart him this weekend? I've, 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 unless Nigel's severely improved. I remember when he got sacked from Southampton, there was a bit of an uproar. And I can't really went from Southampton. Did he go to Sheffield United after that, I think? He might have done. It was showed um, when Pochettino replaced him at Southampton Well, the tactical, how, how far that team well, could have gone. Well, and that was the point I was trying to make. When Pochettino first went in, they were all like, it's a disgrace, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah. Got rid of a great British manager, foreign manager coming in, blah, 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 blah. He's not <laughs> one of the best managers in the, in the game. In the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I think I'm going to go for uh, Hull City. Mm, I just don't think they're strong enough um, to compete with us for 90 minutes. So I'm going to go 3 1 home win. Yeah, I think. Uh, Go on, Ian. I'll let, I'll let you sneak in, and I'll, I'll take I'll take what remains. I'll oh, take I, the bare bones. Yeah, I mean, I can only see a Cardiff win, but I, I do see there being goals. You know, I think Hull have scored other than Wolves. I think they've scored the most in the division. But that's an interesting stat, isn't it? At, at the back, they've conceded. Yeah, I think the goal difference is still negative despite scoring so many. They've just been so poor at the back. Yeah. So great win for Nigel Adkins in the first game against you know Brentford. We saw down here when they came. You know, I think it was it nine games they were unbeaten when Cardiff beat them. A good side. So they're a very good team, and that's a, that's a great start for Hull. But I just think with the firepower that Cardiff have over them, I can only see it being a win for Cardiff. But I'll probably say I see there being goals, two-one, um, maybe a little bit tighter because you know I was up at Birmingham for uh, Steve Cottrell's first game, and he made six changes to the team, and you could see it was the, the new manager bounce they played for him that day, mm. and it was yeah, beware the bounce. Absolutely, yeah. it could be one of them factors that just. Fizzles out. Can, can catch you on the hop. Mm. Well, if it's his second game, is it still early? Will it carry on? Who knows? We never know. But it hasn't carried on at Birmingham. So, mm. judging by the reins of some managers in the Championship, second game is midway through their tenure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's that's another good point. But you know, will it continue? We don't know. But but even regardless, I still think Cardiff have got enough to win. And you know, five games unbeaten now, Cardiff aren't they? Is it, um, four wins as well. And, so, and to anybody who thinks like all I do is predict wins, wins, wins. It's because look at the league table. Right, well, I think <laughs> well, I think it's one of those seasons where I can't see Cardiff losing many games. If Cardiff lose six, seven, what have they lost? Two, three, three from twenty-one. Three yeah. from twenty-one. If Cardiff end up losing six, maybe seven, they won't lose ten games this season. They won't lose eight games this season. Hence, why you're always predicting wins, draws, wins, wins, draws. Because you know that's what happens when you win the best teams in the league. Yeah, well, you tend to win go, more than you lose. I'll probably go along with the win as well. I probably I'll say a bit bit easier. I think Cardiff will win it three nil. Okay, but we we will see. Remember, you can follow all the build up and coverage of that game on Wales Online over the weekend, of course, and uh, get your Christmas shopping done before next week's episode before Christmas. And from all of us, it's thanks very much for joining us, and see you next week. <laughs>